0: Welcome to another video class from the Laurel Heights Church of Christ. We are located this time in 1 John chapter 5. We've been making our way through the first epistle of John for several weeks, and we arrive at 1 John chapter 5 in this class. I will remind us of a couple of thematic notes. John places stress on the truth about who Jesus is and what he did. But John connects that truth to our response, what we do, how we live, how we love, how we hope. 1 John chapter 5 as we continue our studies in the first epistle of John. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of god that's first john 5 verses 1 through 5 sometimes in my judgment the chapter divisions are unfortunate you know of course The chapter and verse numbers are not inspired. They were added by translators and editors in early editions of English versions, and they were really put there for reference purposes, not necessarily to designate any kind of disconnect. The beginning of a new chapter does not necessarily mean the beginning of a new subject. In this case, it will help for us to read the last verse of chapter 4 with the first verse of chapter 5. So I've constructed the first slide with that continuity. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now keep reading. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. John makes a connection between loving God and loving your brother. We ought to be familiar with that. It is not a casual or optional connection. He says, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So those two things go together, and we ought not to separate them in any sort of a way. Loving God and loving your brother. In chapter 5, verse 1, again, those two things are connected. Everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. In chapter 5, verse 1, another part of this response to God believing that Jesus is the Christ. Hence, when we combine the last part of chapter 4 with the first part of chapter 5, there are three things connected. Faith in Christ, love for God, love for your brother. Other things are going to be connected into that as well, but we start out with these three things being connected studying from the last part of chapter 4 and into chapter 5. If any one of these is absent, our response to God is not complete, and we are not walking in the light. Belief in Christ, loving God, and loving your brother, all three are essential, and one complements and is in harmony and produces the other. Next, I want to focus on the first verse of chapter (coughs) 5 and that phrase, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, or English Standard Version, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. The question is, who is a child of God? The answer is, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ. Of course, it is necessary to include in this belief everything John includes in belief. So this cannot be limited to just mentally assenting to the proposition that Jesus is the Christ. We have noted previously that in Mark chapter 1 verse 24, demons confessed that Jesus is the Holy One of God. (coughs) James 2 in verse 19 says, even the demons believe and tremble. John has established earlier in this epistle what every Bible writer assumes and confirms, that love is always active and faith is always obedient. Love is always active. Faith always obedient obedient. Personal faith that Jesus is the Christ causes the believer to love and obey, and that's the activity of life. We take that premise with us everywhere in our study of the New Testament. Who is a child of God? Those who believe that Jesus is the Christ, in that belief, which is active and obedient, one becomes a child of God, exhibiting the love of God, and loving others. Let me make another point about that. It is not John's purpose here to identify every condition of salvation. He is reminding Christians to love fellow believers as part of their obedient response to God. It is not within his purpose to teach on baptism and repentance here. He's writing to Christians reminding them of the attitude they ought to have toward fellow believers, an attitude that is part of their whole obedient response to God. If there's any doubt about the obedient activity of faith, that doubt disappears when we arrive at verse 2. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God, and obey his commandments. Again, as before, John connects the dots, so to speak. Again, John is making connections. He's putting things together that concern compositely the life of a Christian, loving the children of God, loving God, keeping his commandments, thorough, active belief in Christ. All these things go together. And these things are present in the heart and the conduct of God's people. Stop for a moment and consider. Can you imagine the absence of any one of these elements, and yet the others are in full expression? Let's hypothetically work with that for just a few minutes. Can you imagine someone who loves the children of God and loves God but they don't want to keep God's commandments. Now, that doesn't sound right at all, does it? Well, can you imagine someone who keeps the commandments of God and they love God, but they hate their brethren? Well, that doesn't fit. Well, what about someone who keeps the commandments and they love God's people, but they do not love God? We cannot imagine that. Faithfulness to God must be well-rounded, mature, complete, with nothing left out that God says is essential in the wholeness of the activity of serving God. So belief in Christ, belief in God, with all the necessary activity of that belief, love for God, keeping His commandments, loving the children of God. When we read the Bible, we need to see and respect All the various elements or dimensions of serving God, both internal and external, toward God and toward others. 1 John 5, 1 and 2. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. Now, this keeping His commandments, or obeying His commandments, is not the obedience of legalism, such as the Pharisees sponsored. This is not checklist religious drudgery. This is not adherence to a human creed, rules written by men. This is doing what God says because God said it and you love him and you believe in his son, Jesus Christ. I want to say this. God must be more than a rule maker we obey. He must be to us the father who loved us first. We love and obey him in response to his love as we confess Jesus Christ as his son and live in good discipleship to him. Verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. If something is burdensome, it is something you would rather not do. You may do it. You may even recommend that others do it but you find no pleasure in it. It is a burden that you bear. I think the simple point here is love for God removes the burden from obedience. Love for God removes the burden from obedience. Now, this doesn't mean that all obedience to God is easy. This doesn't mean there are no challenges or obstacles, but In the attitude of your heart, (coughs) you can engage in your duty with pleasure, knowing you're pleasing God. You love him. You want to be with him eternally. If we love God, we not only keep his commandments, but also, John says, his commandments are not burdensome. What a weariness it would be to keep God's commandments if you really didn't love him. When something is done without passion or love or genuine commitment and hope, it becomes drudgery. I hope and pray that is not so for any of us. Let's look at verses 4 and 5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, the first thing I want to know about this is what is John talking about when he says, the world? What does John mean when he uses this expression, the world? Earlier, earlier in this letter, that question is answered. That term or expression is defined. I'm turning back to 1 John 2, 15 to 17. 1 John 2, 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, And the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. There are things around us we need to overcome. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of the of life. I am accountable to God to keep these things out of my mind and my behavior. The only one who can do this is the one who believes in Christ and in the activity of that belief enters into and remains faithful in the family of God. I have an old, old set of commentaries called the Pulpit Commentaries. And I quote, The world's force is seen especially in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These three forms of concupiscence manifest the inner life of the world, and against them the Christian has to contend. It is the battle of truth against error, of light against darkness, of love against hatred. This is about the conquering power of faith. It is faith that enables us to identify and resist temptation. It is faith that gives us the strength to say no to the devil. It is faith that becomes the basis of testing the spirits and rejecting false teaching. It is faith that prompts us to love the children of God and keep the commandments. Of God. Would you listen, please? One more time. 1 John chapter 5, 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. Takeaways. Let's talk more about obedience to God not being burdensome. Knowing you are obeying God, the creator, and that he has promised heaven to followers of Christ should remove all burden. The burden of obedience should be removed right there. This is similar to what we studied before, that as God's love is perfected in us, the fear of punishment is expelled and joy emerges. Here, knowing I am obeying God and that he has promised heaven to followers of Christ removes the burden I would otherwise have in obedience. Yet, I'll say again, this doesn't mean it will always be easy. It doesn't mean there will be times of fatigue but we are in the battle. Soldiers of Christ against evil. And sometimes there is something called battle fatigue. You get tired, disappointed, discouraged, stressed out. When that stress or battle fatigue begins to set in, we need to soberly reflect on passages like this, where God's love is so beautifully described. Don't take time off from obedience, but take time to meditate, pray, and reflect on what it's all about and the love and grace of God behind it. I I heard the expression one time, reclaim your identity, your hope, and your purpose. And that's what I'm talking about. And I'm also talking about what Paul wrote in Galatians 6, verses 9 and 10. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household household of faith. That brings me to this. Faith is the victory. What does that mean? Well, it begins by hearing the word of God to form your trust in him. Then as you act on that trust in God, you are able to achieve victory. We can express it like this. Who is able to resist temptation? Obedient believers. Now, when we say that someone is liable to respond, I'm not always consistently an obedient believer. John has already addressed that earlier. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And remember in chapter 2, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So we need to correct our course along the way And we are all in pursuit of growth, but that doesn't change this. Faith is the victory. Thank you for being a part of this effort, this study, brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas.